Hello and welcome to the CFB Winning Edge, the podcast edition. I'm your host, Scott Bogman. You can find me on the Twitter at Bogman Sports. And I'm joined, as always, by Xavier Trish at Xavier underscore Trish, T-R-I-C-H-E, and Nicholas Ian Allen at CFB Winning Edge on the Twitters for him. Nick, how was week eight for you? Uh, well, for me personally, uh, we'll get into the details probably a little bit later, but uh, I think I'm still in shock. I, I know I mentioned this on another show that we work on together uh, Saturday night that, that I was still in shock that Wisconsin lost. Here it is Wednesday evening, and I still haven't gotten over it, that Illinois knocked off Wisconsin, who we were talking about as, you know, a legitimate top 10 team, or I was, uh, and, uh, uh, you know, maybe a, a actually uh, a team that could challenge somebody like Ohio State in the Big Ten and then they go on the road and lose to arguably the worst team in the conference. I mean, Rutgers, the the worst non-Rutgers team, I guess. <laughs> wow. Wow. You just lost all <laughs> two Rutgers fans on the podcast. <laughs> so I'm, I'm, I'm finally, uh, I think, wrapping my head around it a little bit, but uh, that's about, you know, I know this time last week we were talking about how crazy it was that Georgia lost to South Carolina. I think it's safe to say this one uh, was uh, even, you know, the next step uh, and the the biggest shock we've seen this year for me personally. Yeah, it was uh, surprising. Xavier, was that the most surprising game of the week for you? Oh, absolutely. Because it was everything I said about Ohio State Northwestern that happened to them. <laughs> I was I was like, when I saw it the first time, I thought it was backwards. I was like, ah. Wisconsin barely pulls it out. And then I kept looking. I was like, wait a second. No, they lost. Oh, man. <laughs> I, I was like, I was like, because I was so prepared to like build up this week's game and talk about how much Wisconsin was coming in with like the chip on their shoulder. And ah, but Jesus, Wisconsin, somebody had to do it. I was just with Wisconsin State. Yeah, I mean, it was it was one of those. You know, just classic look-aheads. And they yep. asked Lovey after the game, they're like, uh, what do you think was the difference? And he said, we're healthy now. And I apparently, I, and I don't know if that's just an excuse, Nick. Maybe you can expand on that a little bit. It, has Illinois gotten way more healthy over the last few weeks and that's why they beat him? Or is that uh, just coaching rhetoric? Well, the the starting quarterback, Brandon Peters, had missed the previous game. So that that's a big one. Uh, and even though Peters hasn't been spectacular this year, he has at least been sort of a consistent presence, kind of helped solidify things uh, at that position because they'd shoveled between a couple of guys the year before. And, and then, of course, before that, uh, just things weren't weren't really great. Uh, but defensively, yeah, they've they've had some uh, suspensions. They've had some injuries on both the defensive line and in the secondary. So um, that that has been sort of, you know, uh, before the game each week, it seemed like two or three different names were popping up every week of, you know, this guy's not dressed out. This guy's not going to play. So uh, I believe it a little bit. Uh, but, it, you know, it, it was maybe two or three guys a week, which you don't think has a, a huge impact, but if those are two or three guys that you're depending on as, as uh, heavy rotation guys or, or, you know, top contributors, then they can certainly have an impact and, and to get everybody back, uh, including Peters for the Wisconsin game, certainly a boost. And, and it was homecoming, I believe. And, and yeah, you know, Wisconsin's looking ahead. They had Ohio state this week, obviously, and uh, just seemed to be a perfect spot for Illinois to, to knock them off. Yeah, I mean it's uh you know I I feel like we've seen bigger upsets but it was oh, just it's a big the 
one of the bigger upsets of the year, right? Is this the biggest upset of the year so far? As far as a uh, like a point spread, to- you know, from from that perspective, I don't think it was the biggest. Well, maybe I mean thirty one points. If if uh, the number that that I used was thirty one points, that's up there, um, certainly. So so it it might have been the biggest. Uh, if not, it's certainly one of the the top two or three. Um, but you know, the, I, I, I don't know if you guys catch the, um, ESPN does the like top 25 show, even though there's not a top 25 to talk about yet, <laughs> like the, the, the committee where they've, they've been having the show for at least a few weeks. And, and, uh, last week I watched it and they were talking about, okay, so who's going to fall out of the top five? And everybody's like, nobody's going to fall out of the top five. Are you kidding? All these teams are going to win and, and they're just going to keep going. And uh, then, you know, here we are. So so this was certainly from a, I don't know if it was from a raw number, you know, point spread perspective, the biggest upset. But it was almost inconceivable that, uh, you know, people that pay very close attention to college football uh, did not see this as even a, a possibility. And, and <laughs> they got it done. Now, let me ask you this. Illinois, uh, they're three and four overall. They've got Purdue uh, this week. Are they going to beat Purdue? I think they've got a chance. Okay, uh, Rutgers the next week. They're beating Rutgers, yeah, they right? they should beat Rutgers. Yeah. Okay, so then they need one more game to be bowl eligible, but it's uh, Mich- at Michigan State, no way. At Iowa, no way. Th- they got to beat Northwestern in their last game of the year to make a bowl game, right? Six wins, bowl eligible, right? Yeah, I, I think that, that sounds about right. Um, and I can look ahead to, uh, my lines right now. I would have Northwestern is about a half a point favorite. So, uh, (laughs) I mean, yeah, they're, they're very much alive, I'd say. And if they hadn't, you know, screwed around and lost to Eastern Michigan, um, then they'd be in a much better position. But, uh, yeah, no, I think Illinois, um, uh, this week there, I have them a, a one point underdog to Purdue. The uh, odds makers have it at nine and a half last last I checked. So uh, pretty big edge there as far as our numbers go. Um, but uh, we've been fairly high on Illinois from a talent standpoint. They're one of those like SMU that we talked about, obviously brought in a lot of transfers. And that has a tendency to potentially overflate them in, uh, in, in uh, my numbers. But on the other hand, you know, if those guys put it together, then they can be dangerous. And, and we saw it this week. Yeah. Uh, what about the rest of last week? I mean, we'll we'll get to the games that we picked, but how were the overall numbers, Nick? So uh, <laughs> the overall numbers uh, were not good. So uh, I, I, it's funny. I think it's funny. Hopefully, uh, people out there aren't aren't too upset about. It. <laughs> um, so the the week before, I talked about how we had our best week from a from a winning percentage standpoint. But in some of the games that we really tracked closely, the numbers didn't look all that great. And again, we had sort of the reverse this week. Uh, we actually had our worst winning percentage of the season, uh, 43.3%, which is obviously not good. That's about 10 percentage points lower than what we're hoping. But what I thought was kind of a funny thing that happened, I, I you know, after, after I, I, uh, climbed out of the the pool of red ink I had fallen in. I <laughs> looked and, and thought, okay, what what went wrong? 
And uh, if it weren't for the Mac and the Sun Belt, uh, which are are you know kind of our, our two last conferences as far as the uh, the numbers stack up, uh, and then two games featuring independents. So uh, in games that were Mac conference games, Sun Belt conference games, and uh, the independent games, we went. Oh, and 14. Oh. <laughs> and, or no, excuse me, 0 oh and 12. 0 oh and 12. Uh, oh, in those. So take those out of it. 26 and 22 in the rest. That's a decent week. You know, would have been happy with that. And then looking at it, you know, uh, I mentioned the edge where, where uh, Illinois, we have, you know, about an eight point edge over Purdue this week. Well, in games uh, last week where our edge was three points or greater, uh, we also had a winning record. So to have our worst record of the season to be, uh, you know, almost 10 games under 500, but to be able to put up numbers in, in uh, you know, outside of just two of our probably conferences that we pay the least amount of attention to, as well as uh, games where we have an edge greater than three points, feel pretty good about that. And then, uh, our, after our first four weeks, I, I went through and did this whole sort of self-scout thing uh, with all the numbers. So I did just want to uh, look at the last four weeks just to see how things have come since then. And uh, last week, you know, didn't kill us, which which was good. In, in games where we think that uh, the wrong team is favored, um, we've actually hit those at 65.2% over the last four weeks, which is... Uh, probably the number I'm, I'm most proud of uh to this point i mean that that's you know that that makes that's me huge. happy yeah. if we could do that uh we'd be we'd be uh on top of the world so uh that number helped pull us uh pretty well above 500 for uh that situation this season we're at 54.5 percent through eight weeks uh in games featuring two ranked teams we're seven and five of the last four weeks, so uh, that's fifty-eight point three percent. Which over the course of the season, now we're hitting that at an even fifty percent. So still a little bit of room uh, for improvement there. But uh, in the last uh, sort of you know point of pride, I, I often refer to it. Um, we're thirty-two, twenty-four, and one in games where a top twenty-five team is facing a power five opponent, and uh, we're fifty-seven point one percent in those over the last four weeks and now up to, um, uh, I did, I forgot to write it down here, but, um, uh, pretty, pretty good, uh, as far as those particular games go, Oh, excuse me, that's at 52.6%. So, um, that might sound like cherry picking. It might sound like, um, you know, Oh, you know, uh, well, you 12 for the out. Mac is cherry picking too. So, <laughs> that, you know. It is. You know, that that certainly is because I did I did sort of look back at the weeks prior to that. And I was like, have we always been this bad in the Mac? And, and uh, no, you know, it, it it has a tendency to even out. So uh, I, I'm certainly not using that as an excuse. I just thought that was sort of an interesting observation there. But um, these three situations, these are the ones that I personally care about. And and I'm never going to say like, oh, our best bets of the week and, and you know, things like that. I, I don't really uh, do that. I, I don't want to, you know, we, we do pitch the Patreon, but I'm not, uh, you know, I don't want listeners to think we're selling picks sort of uh, or, or, you know, uh, being touts as some, some people call them. Right, um, right. But if... You know, if I were to bet on games, it would be these three 
situations because our numbers are based that the very first thing is uh, recruiting ratings. And and we take those and we add certain weight to it and, and adjust them. But that's the baseline for everything. And I think it makes sense that recruiting ratings apply most to uh, those top teams. And so, you know, it makes sense when you got two ranked teams. Well, it makes sense to, to rely on a system that, that uses recruiting ratings as, as a base. If you're playing two power five opponents, uh, you know, a ranked team versus a power five opponent, that makes sense. And then in other games, I, I think there are some hidden talent advantages that sometimes people don't see that, that can help you sort of pick out, all right, this team actually should be favored. And, you know, we, we feel pretty good about our, our track record in those games as well. So, uh, you know, my long, long-winded uh, diatribe there, but uh, I feel pretty good. Even though last week, as a whole, was was not good, I feel good about the second quarter of the season, so to speak, and I feel good about the first half of the season as far as the numbers go, and in those three areas in particular. Which is interesting because we're going to be talking about uh, four, no, five games that apply to those three. Um, areas you know we're going to be talking about matchups we're going to be talking about rank versus power five and and uh uh, we do have one that that we think the wrong team is favored so um you know that that's for listeners if if you're interested in sort of where the numbers have success they kind of line up with the games we'll be talking about this week and last week uh you know we had a lot of the same scenarios that we talked about uh the first game was the ohio state at northwestern game that i thought might be close because historically it has been kind of close. Nope. Ohio State wins 52-3 to in this game. They were 28-point uh, favorites, and they just stomped Northwestern, Nick. This one was not close at all, right? No, it wasn't. I mean, this was, this was impressive by Ohio State, and, and uh, we were— uh, our, our number we talked about last week was about half a point off. It was one of those many, many coin flips we lost last week. But uh, I think we talked about it. None of us really uh, sounded like we would be surprised if we got here and, and saw that this was 52 to three. And and uh, funny, you know, the, the biggest takeaway uh, for me was Pat Fitzgerald after the game. I'm sure you guys saw the uh, the press conference where basically he was just like, yeah, you know, they're really good. And uh, <laughs> we knew it was coming, but they're much better at football than us. So they won. I mean, he's yeah. not wrong, right, Xavier? Oh. I mean, come on. Yeah. There's not much you can say as a coach. I mean, what, are you going to lie and say you, you came out there and you gave it your all? I mean, you can say that to the kids in the locker room, but, I mean, 52-3 to three is 52-3. I mean, they were doing it in the air, on the ground. They shut you guys down in special teams. Like, there was nothing that you could look forward to from this ball game as a, as a coach. Is when you just throw it in the trash and you get to next week. Because uh, right now they're playing for their season every right. single game at this point. Uh, they're 1-5 in five on the year. Uh, every game for them is, you know, bowl or bust at this point. Uh, I think the blessing for them is – is going forward. They don't have. They have one ranked team left. Two possibly if the, if Minnesota is ranked by the time they get to them. But every game for them is yeah. It's, it's either win or go home or be home for the, you know bowl season. And that uh, Illinois versus Northwestern game at the end of the year could be, you know, that could yeah. loom large for both teams to get into a bowl game. Uh, the second game that we picked here was 
Uh, I feel much better about this one because uh, <laughs> I was actually right in my logic as far as, you know, my logic was, look, the Northwestern versus Ohio State's a rivalry game. Those two teams usually play each other close. I understand Ohio State's great this year, but there seems to be some familiarity. And, and no, you know, they just got stomped. Well, Boise State versus BYU is kind of the same situation where Boise State is the much better team this year. They ranked 14. Uh, they go into BYU. BYU had just barely uh, won a couple games this season, and they were really looking not like a very good team at all, and BYU beats Boise State at home. Um, kind of a surprising outcome in this one, right, Nick? Yeah, it definitely surprised me. I mean, uh, BYU is playing its third-string quarterback, uh, it relied heavily on its fourth and fifth string running backs. Uh, the As usual, the tight end was the primary receiver. Uh, and, and they started, I think, three freshmen on the offensive line, if memory serves. So uh, I certainly did not expect that team uh, to go in and, and, you know, really to put up 28 points was, was a surprise. But uh, to knock off Boise State, who had been... Uh, really, really good in, in a lot of facets uh, this year. Now, Boise State obviously was also playing a backup quarterback, but uh, BYU really kind of controlled this game from the jump, and then uh, you know had a had a field goal lead at halftime, and then just in the third quarter opened it up, and and Boise State uh, kind of dug a hole that was too big to climb out of in the fourth quarter, uh, and ended up you know losing a game that, that they probably should have won. Our numbers had Boise State favored by almost 10 points. Uh, this game opened at, at one and a half, and then obviously money was just pouring in on the Broncos because it, uh, you know, by the time we talked about it, it had gone up to six and a half. I'm not even sure where it finished. It might have been even higher. Uh, so uh, we were certainly not the only ones that, that didn't see this coming, but uh, definitely a surprise. But then on the other hand, you know, maybe we shouldn't be shocked if BYU knocks somebody off. I mean, they, they're always dangerous. They're always capable of, of uh, picking up a big win, even when you least expect it. I know this was surprising, Xavier. Was it shocking to see BYU beat Boise State? Well, we we kind of talked about it last week where I, I pretty much said that if Boise State doesn't have its starting quarterback, then it's going to be a long ball game for them. Um, and it was. BYU's defense is opportunistic. I talked about that last week, and, and they definitely won the turnover battle, and they made it easy for their offense. And, you know, Boise State left it a little too late to get their offense going. I mean, overall, you know, the quarterback had two interceptions, and BYU's quarterback had, uh, had zero, I think. That has been the key to them winning all year. In all three of their games now, they won the turnover battle by a decent margin. And Boise State's offense just couldn't get going due to the turnovers. Uh, like I said, they gave BYU a short field, and they, and they you know, they got it done. Shocking? I wouldn't say shocking because we've seen BYU upset USC as well. Although USC kind of under similar circumstances, if we're honest. Uh, but, yeah, I, I can't say shocking we we both we all talked about how BYU at home is a different ball club and they have been all year. I think all three of their wins have come on at home, right? Except for have all three. Uh, of no, no, Tennessee they was it. Ah, Tennessee? thank you for reminding me, Nick. Yes, yes, Tennessee was on the road. Uh, but yeah, so two out of their and at least against ranked teams, they've been on the uh, at home. So BYU so far is another one of those teams. They're three and four right now. Every game for them is pretty much make it or break it. 
Um, and let's see what they do down the stretch. And they're the ultimate, you know, because like Nick brought it up last week, they they had to get an amazing play to beat Tennessee, uh, and then they uh, beat USC in overtime at home, and then they they won this game uh, close too. So you know they're a couple of bounces away from having no wins, and uh, right. You know, it's it's dangerous to trust a team like that, but they, they came away with this one. Uh, the next game here, Oregon beats Washington on the road, 35-31. Kind of a nasty, rainy game, but a fun one to watch. And we had this one really, really tight, and it finished pretty tight too, right, Nick? Yeah, it did. And, and uh, you know, it, it, this is interesting. It, it just sort of dawned on me that in a lot of ways, this was almost the same game that Oregon played against Auburn just in mm-hmm. reverse. Right, right, right. Uh, and, you know, Washington had a lot of success. I mean, they put up 31 points. We were gushing about the Oregon defense a lot of last week's show. And, you know, a lot of people have really been heaping uh, praise on the on the Ducks defensively, and, and for good reason. They've been excellent. Uh, but Washington did good things. So Jacob Eason uh, threw for almost 300 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions, 9.6 yards per pass attempt, which is – pretty close to that sort of magic number 10 yards of pass attempt is is uh excellent and they ran the ball pretty well i mean salvan ahmed 140 yards and and they spread the ball around in the passing game and uh washington it seemed to me was in control pretty much you know three and a half quarters and oregon just sort of hung around hung around and and then had an opportunity to strike in the fourth quarter and and take that lead similar to what Auburn did to them in the, in the season opener. So a uh, huge win for Oregon. I mean, you know, Justin Herbert, four touchdowns, no interceptions. That That's great. Uh, I think, you know, watching it, I, I came away uh, a little bit more impressed with Eason just, just as the game was going on, but, but Herbert played really, really well. Um, the, the ducks were able to make plays when it mattered most, pick up a, a rivalry uh, win on the road and, basically uh, shut the door on the rest of the Pac-12 North. So uh, if if they can continue to win out, uh, they will be in position, I think, you know, uh, to, to challenge for a spot in uh, the playoff. I mean, if, if they and Utah both win out, and we'll talk about Utah a little bit later, um, hopefully that'll be, you know, a top 10 type matchup in the Pac-12 title game with the winner potentially depending on how things shake out elsewhere uh, a chance maybe to sneak in the the final four yeah it's not the the roughest of schedules for them moving forward either i mean they got a couple tough games at usc and at asu but uh i think they should go undefeated so we'll see but uh xavier what do you see in this oregon and washington game yeah it was a tale of two halves i think that washington came out and controlled for the pretty much the entire first half and they, they, to me, it was it was a little weird. Um, I'm not gonna lie, especially in the fourth quarter, they they just seemed to not have as much urgency as I expected them to have. Um, going down in the the last drive in particular, they were on their own. They were on uh, Oregon's thirty with like a minute left, and I was just like, I just get this sense that Washington isn't as urgent as they played it in the first half. Maybe they feel like they had the game, and when Oregon kind of you know blew up that 14-point lead that Washington was kind of clinging on to, like, the, the air was out of the stadium. You kind of felt that Washington at that point kind of not gave up, but they definitely didn't play as well as they should have. 
Um, Nick, I think it's a little bit of a pipe dream that you think Utah is going to go undefeated the rest of the way. They do have Washington <laughs> on the road in two weeks. I don't, they, you know, they, they have a much tougher road than yeah, Oregon. I, yeah, absolutely. Right. Uh, so, uh, Pac-12 fans that just got really happy to think that they're going to have two teams, uh, you know, have a, you know, an actually a good conference championship game. You guys can lose that thought right now. But, <laughs> you know, I, I just think that Washington just didn't have enough in the second half. I think that they, they, they. They got fortunate that Herbert looked really shaky in the first half, throwing a lot of just un, just unexcusable passes that luckily for him weren't intercepted. And, and they, you know, in the second half, Herbert came away and, and then started to play clean. And you really saw how good this Oregon team can be. The offensive line did their job. You know, we talked about them earlier in the season being, you know, top five offensive line. And they really showed that in the second half as well, keeping Herbert clean and allowing him to kind of just dissect the secondary and, once a quarterback has four plus seconds in the pocket, you can't really do anything as a, as a corner. You know, there's nothing you can really do at that point. Uh, you, you can't defend for that long. And Oregon really kind of, you know, showed their muscle. Uh, I really like this Oregon team. I think they have an opportunity to make the playoff. They, like you said, Nick, they have a, an easier road. Uh, the one loss to Auburn, unless Auburn completely like folds at, down the stretch, will be a quality loss um, if there are those. And uh, yeah, I could see them in the playoff. I think a lot for the, a lot in front of them would have to happen for them to make the playoff because um, of how far they kind of fell after the Auburn game. I think this week they'll be what eleven after the Wisconsin loss, more than likely. I think they are eleven. Um, and I just think that you know when you're eleven with five weeks to go, it's a little bit tougher to kind of get into the top five and get into the top four, especially. But they can do it, you know, especially with how easy their schedule is coming up. Another Pac-12 matchup that we took a look at was Arizona State at Utah. Um, Utah won 21-3. A little bit of weather in this game, right? Like I, I, didn't, I didn't get to see any of it because it's on the Pac-12 network. <laughs> uh, Sling TV. Sling TV. Get yeah. the get the Pac-12 network on uh, on there. That's that's all I've got it for. But, but or it's, you uh, read it. Already, uh, yeah, there yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, I, yeah, I, I got to to watch this one. It was it was one that that definitely did uh, pique my interest, and, and you got I to wanted see to Jane keep an Daniels eye on Daniels twenty five passing yards and an interception. <laughs> he was almost as good as Jake Fromm. Oh, uh, here we go. <laughs> we won. We won. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, four of eighteen for twenty five yards. That's one point four yards per pass attempt uh also threw an interception i mean that that's ugh, that that was ugly and and uh you know the the game overall uh was not beautiful football by any stretch i mean a uh, lot of rain a lot of weather um injuries you know utah had uh tyler huntley go down in this game zach moss left for a little while uh fortunately both were able to to come back but uh huntley is is uh questionable for this week i know he said he's gonna play but uh you know this this was not um an easy win for utah despite you know they were able to to shut down arizona state uh the passing game especially uh they were able to win you know the, the score doesn't look all that close, but this was a hard-fought game, and it was a costly win for Utah, depending on how healthy they'll be moving forward. But uh, very impressive performance uh, by the defense. Uh, Utah is, is uh, you know, as Xavier said it, they, they do have a tough road, and, and they will not be, uh, you know, th- there's a chance they might not even be favored in every game uh, going out the rest of the way. So they, they certainly could be knocked off, uh, but... If uh, this defense and, and especially that defensive line 
plays to the the level that we saw uh, this week, this past week. This this is a team that can beat just about anybody on a given night. And, and uh, you know, whether for, for the rest of college football, that's something we, we do need to keep a, a little bit closer eye on moving forward because it will impact, uh, you know, a lot more games from here on out. Uh, how did you see this one uh, playing out, Xavier? Yeah, I mean, it's I'm sad. I, I'm honestly sad that I was right about this game because I, I love Herm. I, I wish that the Arizona State bus could have kept rolling, but the weather really shut it down. I mean, wait, would you? Would, would, pretty much what you saw was it rained, which means Utah packed the box. Said, you know, Benjamin is going to have to beat us one versus six. Well, obviously you have an offensive line, but yeah, um, and they forced the freshman to do his job. And as we clearly see from the stats, as Nick so you know beautifully pointed out, and Scott as well, Jane Daniels didn't get it done. Um, and Tyler Huntley just did enough on his end, 12 of 19, a, a buck uh, 71 in an interception. He just did enough to keep Arizona's defense honest. Uh, Zach Moss, once again, you know, with a multi-touchdown game. I feel like every time he's healthy, he can go for, you know, two, three touchdowns a game anyways. And almost 100 yards with 99 yards on 25 carries. But, yeah, Utah just had more in the rain in this game. Uh, I think that Nick pointed to it. Utah definitely didn't walk away from this game unscathed. Uh, the uh, the healthiness of Tyler Huntley will definitely come into play as they're playing a physical cow team this week. Um, so, you know, that's one to watch, and we'll, we'll talk about that in, in just a second. Uh, but, you know, I expected Arizona's, you know, winning streak to kind of come to a halt here. Um, on the road for Jane Daniels' first game. I didn't expect weather to be such a big factor, but, you know, um, in hindsight, with a freshman quarterback, I'm not surprised. Uh, and Utah gets walks away with another victory, you know, 6-1 uh, and one on the year. They look like an impressive ball club. We'll see how far they can make it. And the last game of the week, uh, as we all said clearly, uh, Penn State over Michigan. There's no revisionist yeah. history here at all. So, I'm, <laughs> But I'm glad I was wrong on this game because – uh, I, I'm glad I was wrong because I hate Jim Harbaugh. So I was really happy to see him lose again. And to know that Lovey Smith <laughs> has as many wins against uh, top 25 opponents as Jim Harbaugh does uh, is just one of my favorite stats. Ever. <laughs> so, uh, But Penn State over Michigan, 28-21 in this game. And, uh, you know, a little bit higher scoring, but... Nick CFP winning edge had this picked at 2014. So uh, still a, you know, uh, a, a decent victory here for Penn state. And um, they just dominated in this game. I mean, it never was really close, right? Yeah. I mean, it, it seemed uh, they jumped out 21, nothing. I mean, I, it seemed like it was uh, going to be over quickly. I mean, that was, that was in the first half and, and Michigan to their credit was able to, to fight back and, and, uh, scored just before halftime to, to, you know, take a little bit of, uh, momentum in the, into the locker room and, and came out and, and, you know, played decently well, uh, in the second half. I mean, uh, Shea Patterson didn't put up the, the best stat line overall. I mean, he, he threw a pick, he had uh, no touchdowns and, and uh, only 6.7 yards per attempt. But I think that, that this might've actually been the best that we've seen him this year. I, I think he played a little bit better than that stat line would suggest. He, he did have uh, what could have been a game tying touchdown there late in the fourth quarter that, that yeah. uh, was unfortunately dropped. Um, but uh, you know, Penn state, they, they came up big in, uh, you know, when they had to have it defensively. 
Uh, we talked a lot about their defense last year, or excuse me, last week, and and uh, you know, for the for the first uh, almost full thirty minutes, they they really uh, shut Michigan down, and and mm-hmm. uh, so that's you know to to get out on the on the right foot like that is uh, outstanding. They were able to to build a, a big enough lead to where yeah, it really didn't. Even though Michigan had the ball, had a chance to tie, it still felt like. Penn State was in control the whole game, and and uh, you know obviously great crowd there, and and uh, big win for the Nittany Lions. The the main concern I have, and I think we talked about it last week, is uh, offensively they're just not um, consistent enough, and and you know Penn State did uh, have a, a few you know huge plays, and and KJ Hamler came up huge in this game, uh, but they were not able to consistently run the football. Uh, they still, you know, I thought Noah Kane had sort of taken over that top spot, uh, top ball carrier role the previous week, but this week he gets five carries and, and 19 yards. And, and uh, so it just uh, inconsistent in the, in the running game. And, and fortunately they've been able to have a few explosive passing plays that that have been just enough to to get them over the top and and you know any win over a uh, division rival is good any any win over uh, a ranked team is something we're celebrating and and this puts Penn State in a a pretty good position but uh talking about tough schedules the rest of the way they they've got they've got it pretty tough so um you know want to want to see I'm excited to see how far this team can go but uh to to reach their full potential, they're going to need to be more efficient on offense. Yeah, and that's what I was afraid of coming into this game, Xavier, was uh, the offense for Penn State because it seemed like they had been kind of playing above their heads. And I guess we can just kind of shut down the thought process of Michigan being a good team. They obviously came in overrated. We thought maybe they played a couple <laughs> tough games. Uh, and so I, I just think the thought process there that this team is good could still have been there uh, and, and it's not that losing to Penn State is something to be ashamed of, but I think if you want to be in contention with a team like Ohio State, which is what Michigan's goal should be every single year, you can't drop a game like this one. Now, you know, we know Penn State has one of the best home field advantages in the country, yeah. especially in a whiteout like that, but uh, they it probably should have played a little bit closer than this, right? Yeah, I mean, it was weird. It was it was one of those ball games where, you know, I, obviously I, I picked Michigan, but when I was sitting there, you know, at the Georgia State game, I was like, oh, my goodness, I was way off. Penn State just started on fire, and it was weird because Michigan's defense didn't give up that many yards if you look at it statistically, but they just kept giving up too many big plays. You know, Sean Clifford, 14 to 25, a buck 82 and three scores. Out of that buck 82, I swear every touchdown was at least – 20 plus yards that he threw that night. Uh, I mean, it was, it was the drives were for the most part for Penn state were short. And I think that's really what made it easier for Michigan in the second half. You know, it's one thing for you to not be scoring and your defense have to be on the field, but it's another thing for your defense to be on the field because you're scoring too fast. And that's what I think Penn state did in the first half. And, and you really saw Michigan kind of wear down the Penn state defense. Um, And that will be the only concern for me. If I'm a Penn state fan is that if I play a ball club that, has the ability to wear down my defense. Uh, as we saw in the second half, you know, the offense isn't always going to have an ability to, to, to score 20 plus, you know, 30 plus uh, yard touchdowns. And that defense started, you know, you know, giving up big plays. Uh, is it Charbonnet? 
Charbonnet. The running yeah. back? Yeah. Okay, cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he started bouncing off of defenders in the second half, where in the first half, he relatively was getting absolutely nowhere. Uh, Shea Patterson was having more time in the pocket. Uh, it was, you know, that was that would be my only concern as a Penn State fan. I'll eat my words. Um, they're not completely overrated. Um, I think that they have the ability to. to I mean, I can't. I, this is so condescending. My, like, it, and it should be. You know, uh, yeah. they haven't played well, so there, there's something in my soul that just says that you know, six in the country, Penn State don't fit in the same sentence. Uh, and like I said. At some point in the season, if they continue to run the table, I'll have to shut up. But um, Penn State fans, you, you got—I think you got away with a with a great victory at home. I think that that helped a lot. I think Sean Clifford on the road would probably be a much different quarterback, especially if they had to go to the big house uh, for Michigan. Nick, I don't know if you can drop Shea Patterson some more points, but goodness gracious, <laughs> that like I, I don't know for him to have come out of high school as a five star for 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 him to have had the year he had at Ole Miss. And to go to what we all believed was a better program and to look worse is just mind-boggling. I don't get it. I don't think I ever will. He'll be one of the biggest mysteries in college football uh, for a very long time. Well, it's got to be a lot about switching offensive coordinators too, right? Because uh, he he left Ole Miss before last season, wound up mm-hmm. in Michigan. So you're switching then and then another offensive coordinator. And you've seen it in the NFL um, many, many times where – there's a player that probably could have been great, but there's they these teams keep switching systems and different play callers and different play types and all that stuff every single year, and you know it just it, sometimes it ruins them. You know, like I, look, I'm not the biggest Josh Rosen fan in the world, but how the hell can we say that we have any type of a complete grade on him? You know what I mean? That's true. Because he's played for two of the worst teams I've ever seen in my life in the 2018 Cardinals and the 2019 Dolphins. So he hasn't really had a fair shake. And I'm not saying Shea Patterson hasn't had a fair shake. He didn't have to leave. And he's got talented pieces around him. But I just it's hard to sit there and say that we have a full evaluation of him. Right. So, yeah, I mean, it's 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 difficult. And, and obviously some. Uh, players are, are better at adapting to new situations. Some players pick up uh, playbooks better, and and you know, and, and there's certainly some blame that that can go to individual coaches as well. Some coaches are better at getting the most out of their players and and uh, communicating their you know their system with with the players. And and so I'm not sure uh, who should you know earn most of the blame. Who should earn all the blame? I'm I'm certain that you know. Less than 100% of the blame goes on uh, Shea Patterson, but but obviously more than zero uh, right. goes to him as well. So uh, it it you know every situation is different. It, it's interesting because I'm not usually a uh, like recruiting news kind of guy. Like I don't follow you know oh so and so's a new commit and and you know Illinois is up to 67th in the nation and whatever. So I, I don't really follow it <laughs> until after all the the ink is dried. Right. right. But uh, I, I today, for whatever reason, have have read two and a half basically uh, stories on recruiting, and and it just sort of uh, more the process. Uh, there's there's a couple in the athletic that that. Uh, by the way, if if anybody out there doesn't subscribe to the athletic, this is not an, a paid endorsement, but it is worth oh, it. But they're I mean, dope. They're, it, it's awesome. Make uh, them pay us. Was, Come on. <laughs> the, 
yeah, maybe one maybe one day. Well, you know, but <laughs> but uh, there was a, a Wisconsin uh, uh, post that uh, talked about how you know they differ. They're they're recruiting uh, from Ohio State because obviously they're geographical. Uh, Things that impact that, and and you know, sort of what goes into why perhaps Wisconsin is is signing three stars, and and you know how they develop particularly offensive linemen that that are uh, sort of more local guys, and and then skill position guys come from different places, and uh, there's a Florida State article as well that that sort of almost is is kind of the opposite situation where Florida State's got top 10 talent and, and they were getting all these four and five star guys, but they're either missing on guys or they were, you know, uh, overrated or, or they end up uh, leaving the, the school or the, the programs not developing them and, and stuff like that. And uh, it, it's just, you know, stuff like that intrigues me. And, and um, so there's, there's definitely uh, part of it is culture. Part of it is, um, the, the just sort of the system in place and how a coaching staff uh, teaches its players and develops its players. But part of it also is, is on the, on the player, you know, we don't know what sort of hours he's putting in the, you know, in the film room and, and we don't know what the, uh, you know, how many reps he's getting in practice. There's a lot of unknowns, but there's a lot that goes into it. So, uh, and, and it all sort of boils down to, it's an inexact science. And did he deserve to be a five star? I don't know. I, you know, I wasn't paying enough attention when he was in high school, but, but, uh, but uh, yeah, it's, it's definitely there's, an inexact science. There's plenty of that too. Cause I remember, I think during uh super bowl, I can't remember which number it was the one between the Pats and the Seahawks. They were talking about star ratings uh, from a bunch of uh, high school players and stuff. And there, I don't think there was a starter above three stars in that Super Bowl, you know, so it's, uh, and then I think last year it was all but two starters were, uh, four stars or higher. So, which is just nuts. You know, it's nuts that, that they have that turnaround and it's gotten so much better over whatever, you know, five or six years. So it's, um, it's just a weird process. There's plenty of five stars that are, you know, um, uh, pumping gas, right now and there are plenty of guys that were walk-ons that are playing in the nfl so mm -hmm. it, it's it's hard you're 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 you get nitpicky at that point and it, it's just tough to tell but let's look at this week let's move forward here and we got a nice another nice pac-12 matchup here nick between uh cal and utah now this would have been much better had cal been coming in here completely healthy uh they're not so this is one of the Bigger spreads of the week with Utah being a 21.5 point favorite and the over only being 37.5 because Cal has looked so piss poor on offense uh, since having their quarterbacks hurt. And now they're going down from uh, Devin Modster to uh, it looks like Spencer Brash is going to be getting his first start for Cal. And my thing here is, is can't get any worse than Monster, right? So, uh, why not? Let's give the kid a shot. And um, uh, but they are twenty-one and a half point dogs in this game. How do you see this one playing out? Well, first of all, uh, when uh, Xavier, Xavier and I were talking about uh, what games 
to go over this week. He he brought this one up, and and uh, you you know we had talked before about okay, we're going to focus on you know these top twenty five matchups and and things like that, and and uh, this game. Xavier put on on his list that he, he wanted to talk about uh, and then almost pulled it off. And I was like, wait, 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 no, this gives me a chance to, to talk about something <laughs> because uh, the, the start charts. So a lot of teams in their PDF stats uh, or in their game notes and, and things like that uh, will put these start charts, you know, who's, who started the game, who played and, and all that sort of stuff. And, and it makes a lot of sense. Obviously uh, they're very helpful. We want to know who's starting and, and particularly we want to know who's starting at quarterback. And, and uh, these two teams are potentially what um, Cal we know is going to play at least a backup, if not a third string quarterback Utah, it it sounds more and more like Huntley will play, but they played three quarterbacks last week. Uh, so I, I it kind of dawned on me, hey, I, I should do something to combine those start chart sort of things. But let's just let's do it for all 130 teams. And it makes sense, obviously, to, to start with uh, quarterback. So I created one of those for our uh, patrons. So here's our uh, shameless plug portion of the the broadcast. But um, our patrons in our our FBS team profiles, which is our tier two uh, level, I inserted this updated through week eight quarterback start chart, and it's color coded like the rest of the team profiles are. So you can see, like, okay, Air Force uh, in week four, their starter Donald Hammond the third got injured so the next week isaiah sanders ah. started he got injured so it's it's in orange as well which is our color to indicate uh injuries and and so that's why hammond was back the next week and and we've got things in there on uh suspensions david moore at central michigan uh was suspended for uh ped violation after week six so that's why he's not the starter anymore quentin dormady is is the starter so you can see that and you can see the color coding uh there on that page and and uh you know maybe this existed elsewhere i don't know but but uh um i had not seen it and, and thought it it would be helpful uh so if that's something that you know listeners would would uh find helpful to to look back and see i'll, like, I'll oh, take yeah, a link was- to that i would like that so. Yeah, there you go. Uh, it's it's there in the in the show notes there. But yeah, so so I, I thought it might be helpful. Um, I'm going to try to get it updated by uh, Monday morning each week. So uh, hopefully it'll it'll be uh, available as soon as uh readers and, and listeners want to uh, have access to it. So uh, anyway, check that out. But I thought this was a, a, a you know, uh, a shameless plug opportunity. But on the other hand, it's, you know, an interesting game because we do not know exactly how the quarterback situation is going to play out. Uh, Brash, uh, you know, he's a third stringer for a reason. He's a cow, which is not, uh, you know, the the uh, a, a high powered offense by any stretch. So uh, you have to think that they're going to be limited. Utah is one of the most impressive uh, defenses. USC loss aside, Utah has been very very good on defense. Their defensive line is is a top five unit in the country, and and Cal's offensive line uh, has really struggled this year. I ran uh, our our latest O line strength and, and D line strength ratings. 
just uh, earlier today, and uh, Cal ranks uh, well into the triple digits in offensive line strength or offensive line performance this year. So uh, that matchup is is certainly one to watch. Should be a huge edge for Utah there. But on the other hand. We talked a little bit last week about how the style of play between the two teams, I would not have been surprised if Kyle Whittingham said, all right, you want to play slow, Herm Edwards? Uh, You want to just sort of grind it out and get to the fourth quarter? Uh, I'm fine with that. And I could see this game being a similar uh, uh, situation. Utah really relies heavily on the the running game. I think that'll be uh, more so the case with Huntley banged up uh if he if he's in there at all um so i i see this being a low scoring game i see it a slow game and and it's going to be difficult to cover a, a more than three touchdown spread when you're letting uh the the opponent sort of dictate the tempo and i see that happening i see cal trying to just hang in there until the fourth quarter and and keep it close and play good defense and and run the football and and you know uh milk the clock so i think that this is going to be uh a similar game to last week's utah cal game or utah arizona state game i think it's low scoring uh our our uh, computer projection has utah winning 27 to 7 and and 27 points seems like a lot on the Cal defense. So I would not be surprised at all if this is 24 to 10 or or even, you know, 21 to 10, something like that, but I think three touchdowns is is too much. So I I agree with uh, the projection here and and think that uh, you know, there's there's not much of an edge there, but think that Cal should be able to to keep it within uh, the 21 and a half. And that would hit the under, and this is a low, low under for a, uh, I mean, this would be a low over under for an NFL game. So 37 and a half is, uh, it's nothing to scoff at. When you see that number that low, there's a reason, Xavier. So do you see this uh, playing out like Nick said, kind of low scoring and completely in Utah's favor? Yeah, I mean, the only thing I could see, honestly, the only way I could see this game being blown out of proportion is if uh, Utah's defense Really makes it really really gives uh, Utah a short field to play with because as Nick said, I think they are going to lean on Zach Moss this week. Uh, Tyler Huntley insists that he's going to play this week. Um, how much he'll play is another question. You know how you know how open the playbook will be is a whole different story. Uh, when you got a cow team who, I mean, is notorious for keeping teams under twenty points or, or under thirty. Excuse me. Um, you know Arizona State. They lost that game, but held them to 24. Oregon, they lost that game, but held them to 17. Oregon State uh, held them to 21 points. So I think that, you know, what Nick said is completely uh, the truth. You know, 21 points is is way too much. I think this game will end somewhere around 20 to 7. Uh, We just saw a similar Utah team, you know, weather permitting, you know, just put up 21 points against Arizona State, um, who I'd say California's defense is at least is better than or has shown itself to be better than this season. Um, but it's going to be the Zach Moss show. Um, I don't know what's going on with Cal's quarterback situation. Um, but you're right. I mean, I, I don't know if it can get any worse. I don't think, you know, they can get any worse than a three game losing streak by just adding a fourth one. But I mean, <laughs> they, they got to, they, they have to, you know, their offense has to rectify something. So at some point, um, they cannot continue to lean on their defense to keep them in games. I don't think it's going to be this week, uh, possibly next week against, uh, Washington state, but Hey, Crazier things have happened. I just see Utah being too much, Zach Moss being too much, and Utah's defense has been has been good this year. And so I think that they, you know, continue to roll on um, 
and set up a, a pretty a, a pretty big matchup against Washington um, in two weeks. So. Yeah, I mean it's been it's been bad on offense since Garbers went out because Monsters just not that good, and it's unfortunate because Cal's got a good squad, but. You know, you don't have a good quarterback. Most of the time, you don't have a very good team, and that's just. I mean, hey, maybe goes. the maybe the third stringer, you know, has just been waiting for his opportunity. Just can't we be worse with, than Monster, you know. We it's saw just, we saw with USC with Flick. So I mean, hey, he won a ball game, didn't? Didn't he beat Utah? Fink. No, 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 no. right, not Fink. Fink. <laughs> not Fink. Yes, Fink. I'm sorry. He's so memorable. He's a third right? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Uh, I, no, I'm I'm with you on that for sure. But it can't get worse. So, and and I think if Utah ends up scoring a bunch of points. It's more because, you know, Cal turned the ball over, set them up with short fields, yeah. stuff like that. So I don't think it's, you know, it, this game isn't on the back of the explosive Utah offense. It is on the back of the terrible Cal offense. So we'll see how it turns out. The next game we got here is Penn State on the road at Michigan State. So we just uh, spent a bunch of time talking up Michigan or Penn State, excuse me. So, uh, Pretty sure Michigan State's just going to win this one outright now, right? Right, Nick? <laughs> so we talk up you know, Penn State, so Michigan State's going to win. It's uh, Stranger things have happened. Right. And Michigan State uh, is the type of team that, that will put up just sort of a, a unexpected uh, win over a, a top 10 team. So it, it would not shock me if, if they were able to come in and, and, or excuse me, if they were able to, to win this outright, I mean, they're, they're the home team. Uh, Mark D'Antonio is, has uh, familiarity with Penn state. They've had an extra week to prepare Penn state's coming off a, uh, emotional win, a, a close win over, a, a top contender in the division. So, you know, perhaps, uh, Michigan state is, is going to be, uh, really, really, well prepared for this game and, and potentially more so than Penn State. And, and it's interesting. This game is just uh, it's on an island here for for the Spartans. They were off last week. They're off next week. So this is the only thing going on. This is this is all they're going to be thinking about for like a three week stretch. And uh, in, in one way, that's that's certainly uh, good because uh, some some there's some uh, I, I'm struggling to find the right word, but but it seems that things are, are getting a little iffy in East Lansing. They had uh, another few uh, transfers the, just over the last couple of weeks. By my count, uh, again, in the in the team profiles, they've now had six players transfer out this year. Um, they've been banged up at, at several different positions along the offensive line, the receiving core. Uh, so things have not gone well. They've been blown out two games in a row. Uh, there's some concern, you know, is D'Antonio finally on the hot seat a little bit? So a lot of just sort of bad uh, vibes are, are kind of centered or, or, or clouding Michigan State right now. So uh, on the one hand, this thing could go south in a hurry. They could fall apart. We've seen it before where they just have a, a season with fairly high expectations where they just, you know, just just can't get it done and things fall apart. The wheels come off. This is the type of game where if, if it goes poorly, there's a good chance of that happening. But on the other hand, 
they're capable of beating it, beating anybody. I mean, this is a team with with top twenty five talent. This is a, a coach that has a history of pulling off upsets, of of raising uh, his team to you know even overcome whatever talent disadvantage there might be. So uh, it's a long way of saying I don't know. I mean, I, I, I don't know how this is going to yeah. it, it, it would. I'm gonna. I'm going to watch this game. I'm, I'm going to see the score, uh, and, and it will not at all surprise me if it's Penn State 20, Michigan State 14. If it's Michigan State, uh, you know, 24 to 10. I, I don't know. It could be anything. Well, so, the, the big the Big Ten gets messy this type of year because they all play somewhat similar styles. I mean, some Ohio State's probably just way better than everybody. But they all kind of play that grinded out style of offense and weather comes into effect. Home field advantage uh, becomes a little bit more prevalent. And uh, I just think, Xavier, when you look at the project, the trajectories of these two teams, and this is a Penn State team that's favored by six and a half and the over is 44. I don't even think I mentioned that. So another low over, but almost a touchdown favorite in Penn State. Uh, I think that Nick's right. You know, this game, uh, you're not going to be surprised however this game ends up. I think the only surprising thing would be if it's like, you know, uh, 63 zip either way. You know, that's the most (laughs) shocking uh, thing that would happen. But if this game was 24-20 either way, 35-30 either way, uh, I don't think we would be surprised at all. So how do you see this one going? Well, this is going to be my last hurrah for the Sparties if they lose (laughs) this ballgame. Um just hold I'm gonna go out on the limb. Right. I'm gonna go out on the limb with my boy D'Antonio you know, or D'Antoni. I'm gonna go Michigan State here. Um, and this has nothing to do really with, you know, what I've seen from Penn State as far as, you know, their last two wins. Michigan Michigan State, and I know Michigan's defense was good, but I think Michigan State's defense is probably the best defense Penn State would have seen uh this year. Um they're coming into the game. They've got back-to-back, like, really big wins. You're almost waiting for their offense to not show up. Um, and an offense that's shown itself to be inconsistent, if they start off this game slow and, and allow Michigan State to stick around, maybe Michigan State gets a touchdown on the board early and we go into halftime 7-0 or 7-3, I think Michigan State has more than an opportunity to win this ball game. I think, Nick, you're absolutely right. I think uh, right now East Lansing, is it time for a change of the guard? But if there's any way to get all the fans and the boosters and especially the players back on your side, it's a huge win against a ranked opponent, top top ten, uh, you know, opponent right now who just got off the uh, off of beating your rival or in-state rival at least, and you have an opportunity to really make it to where you have a not not a, a chance but a really good chance to make a bowl um, if you were to beat these guys um, with the with the remaining schedule that they do have, and I think Michigan State gets it done. It's one of those weird games that I feel like. Penn State's coming in maybe too much on a high, and we're way, you know the letdown finally happens. Their offense once again sputters as it has in the past um, against like Iowa and Pittsburgh. Uh, Michigan State offense finally clicks for the first time in two weeks, well three weeks if you count the bye as well. And like you said, Nick, this is all they have to focus on for. I mean, pretty much you know the, la- the the week before this week and the week afterwards. So there's nothing worse than having to not be able to play after losing. I think. They're going to have them ready. I think Michigan State, you know, is going to pull this one out. I think final score is going to be something of uh, 17-13. I think it's going to be a really sloppy, just disgusting game. A Big Ten matchup, (laughs) you know, to to, to put it simply. 
All right, moving on to a game that should be way, way more exciting than Penn State and Michigan State. Uh, not another grinded-out, boring game at all. Notre Dame on the road at Michigan. <laughs> Notre Dame is a one-point favorite. This opened up as Michigan as a four-point favorite, but the line has flipped over to Notre Dame as a one-point favorite, and 51 is the over on this one, Nick. So how do we see this playing out? Well, it's uh, I misspoke earlier when I said that, that we had uh, one – where we uh, had the wrong team favored because uh, I don't think I had realized that this game had actually fully crossed that, uh, that zero and, and uh, that Notre Dame was now favored. We were, we're, we're on Notre Dame. Uh, the numbers have uh, the fighting Irish favored by about four. So saw a pretty big edge uh, earlier in the week now, much, much uh, smaller and it, and it's no longer in that category for us, unfortunately, but uh, yeah, see, see Notre Dame as, as the favorite. And that was a bit of a surprise, honestly, when, when I saw that number on Sunday morning, because uh, one Michigan's, at home uh they do have a uh, talented roster very very talented despite how well they've uh played or not over the the last uh you know first few few uh weeks of the season but um was a little bit surprised because while notre dame uh does have uh a, a very good defensive uh front seven they got some talent in the secondary as well uh, ian book is good has has put up you know a few great games, but not against a great opposition. Uh, I, I I was surprised that that Notre Dame actually came out uh, ahead on this one, and and I think it is um, we do give a, a bit of a boost uh, for net yards per play. That's that's kind of the the big stat that that I uh, like most, and and Notre Dame has a pretty big. Uh, edge in that because of uh, some of those games where they beat up on you know Bowling Green and, and New Mexico so perhaps our line is a, is a little bit inflated but but not a ton and, and this game um, you know I think Notre Dame is, is rightfully favored uh, they uh, you know they need this game we've talked about uh, you know, certain teams have a, have their backs up against the wall for a playoff push, and and uh, Notre Dame is in that situation. They're they're not going to get in, uh, obviously, if if they don't win out, and even if they do, you know, people will be arguing against them. So uh, Notre Dame needs this one. Uh, Ian Book, I think, at this point, appears to be a, a slightly better quarterback than Shea Patterson, even though, uh, you know, at, at this point, our ratings uh, still have Patterson, even with his. Uh, rating coming down a little bit as, as uh, with a slight edge there, but um, uh, Notre Dame just from from top to bottom, there are fewer uh, maybe fewer weaknesses and and maybe just a little more consistency, I think. So so I I agree with uh, with the numbers here and and uh, agree that, that Notre Dame should be a slight favorite. Uh, we project them to win twenty four twenty. Xavier, how do you see this uh, Notre Dame-Michigan game playing out? Because to me, you know, kind of like I, I had sarcastically said, we talked up, uh, we talked up Penn State and talked down Michigan. So clearly, you know, Penn State's going to lose to Michigan State. Uh, but I kind of feel like that. Like I'm, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be surprised to see Michigan win. But I feel like everything in my body tells me to, to take Notre Dame in this game. And I, that's what the betting community is as well. I mean, it, this is a five-point swing. Michigan goes from minus four to plus one. That's huge. Uh, yeah, 
I mean, that's ridiculous. I think that that's that's crazy. I mean, I don't blame them because, in my estimation, this is a game with two quarterbacks who have been rather underwhelming um, this year. I think I, I remember having Ian Book as a Heisman dark horse to start the year off, and he definitely hasn't looked like that. And we all know the the story of Shea Patterson. But Michigan plays better at home. Uh, their one win against a ranked team comes at home against Iowa earlier this year. Their two losses on the road against ranked team, uh, their two losses against ranked teams are both on the road. I think that has to account for something. I think Harbaugh just they just play better at home. I think that you know, I know we're not you know a, a podcast that normally follows trends, but that's got to be something that holds a lot of weight for me in this ball game. Um, on top of that, Notre Dame for me, they're a tough team to wrap my head around. On one hand. They've looked really good against teams like Virginia um, and even against uh, – but they've had their spells in every game. In the Virginia game, they were down early against Louisville. They were down early in that one. USC almost brought it back uh, two weeks ago when they played them. And I'm just kind of waiting for them to have a complete game and show us why they're the number eight team in the country. Um, and they have yet to do that. Maybe this is the game in which they do it. If they do it in the big house, that would really bolster their uh, their argument for being in the top five. But both of these schools are just like big question marks for me. And I, and it's really tough for me to select anything. I think you see that uh, in betting. You know, I don't think anybody knows where this game is going to go as far as who's going to win it. I just think we're going to get a really good ball game. I'm not going to pick either team, to be honest with you, because I have no t- idea. <laughs> what I, You just you, that, that's uh, that's that's what we do here. Zami. Are you gonna- <laughs> Well, what are you running for Congress? <laughs> Maybe you know they might come back and listen to this podcast. I want to see them unbiased, but um, <laughs> I, you know, I think that. But, but like I said, both teams are question marks, and if I had to put my money on a team, I'd pick Notre Dame simply because I'm not a big hardball fan, and Michigan has yet to show me that they are capable of beating a team that has more talent, has equal to more talent than they do. Um, Iowa didn't have as much talent as them and you saw Michigan struggle to win that game um, but I think Notre Dame has equal if not more talent I think Notre Dame will get the job done it's going to be ugly this isn't going to be a, a very you know I don't think it's going to be a very fun game to watch I think it's going to be a, a low scoring ball game but I think Notre Dame bolsters their you know their their uh their status for being a CFB team at the end of the year yeah I mean I I, I think that like I said, every every bone in my body says take Notre Dame because Michigan's looks so awful. But one once again, this is a, a Big Ten game that we wouldn't be surprised to see go any other way. I think the most locked in game this week, though, is you know this seemed like it was going to be a huge, uh, a nice you know, um, I believe the line last week was ten points on this Ohio State Wisconsin game. Ohio State's at home. Now they are 14.5-point favorites. The over is 50 here. Wisconsin loses to Illinois, clearly looking ahead to this game. Not a surprise, though, because Ohio State uh, should be taken seriously. Nick, do we see this as a two-touchdown win for Ohio State? Uh, more. More, more than that. Okay. Wow. <laughs> yeah, we, uh, we see this as a, a pretty big edge for Ohio State. And uh, the... Uh, the Buckeyes are, are about as good as it gets. I mean, they're they're really closing the gap pretty much in, in the preseason, you know, like just about everywhere. Uh, our numbers had uh, Alabama and Clemson as, as the top two teams just by a wide, wide margin. And uh, it, it's been uh, 
you know, it's, it's been a pretty big gap, but Ohio State has really uh, closed it uh, pretty well. I mean, they're, they're fourth in our numbers, and, and that's probably a little low. I know a lot of people uh, have, you know, even even crowned them uh, the, the most impressive, the number one team. I mean, on that, that ESPN Top 25 show I was talking about, uh, watched it last night, and, and uh, a couple of the... Uh, the broadcasters are talking about Ohio State as their number one team, and and I can't really argue with that. They have played like a number one team. I mean, they're they're right up there uh, in our team performance ratings. They actually have the top rating uh, in the country based on those in-game statistics that we look at. So it's it's deserved. Um, but you know, I was also uh, really, really impressed with Wisconsin. I was talking about how they looked like a top 10 team and, and were inching towards top five until last week. And, and uh, so the, uh, you know, th- those numbers can, uh, you know, they're, they're not gospel. They, they, you know, things can change from week to week. So I think it will be a, a, a tightly contested game. I think Wisconsin is still a good team. I don't think that we can just look at last week's loss and think, oh, nope, actually, you know what? We were completely wrong. Forget what we saw in the first six weeks. You know, this team is is not good anymore, obviously. So I, I don't see that as a situation. But uh, Ohio State should have been favored by about two touchdowns a week ago. I mean, just looking at, you know, uh, position by position, the Buckeyes have an edge at every single position and, and Wisconsin uh, maybe, you know, the running backs are, are neck and neck. Jonathan Taylor is, is arguably the best running back in the country, but Ohio state is deeper at that position. And if someone were to happen to Taylor uh, and if something were to happen to Dobbins, uh, Ohio state is, is going to be in a better situation. The offensive lines are, are also, you know, pretty close and, and Wisconsin uh, certainly uh, has done a, a tremendous job rebuilding that line this year. But, Again, Ohio State is deeper there, and and I think probably uh, at this point has played uh, just as well, if not better, uh, up front. And and you know they've got the best pass rusher in the country, arguably. Uh, they're loaded in the secondary. Uh, Ohio State is is an elite team, elite talent, uh, a a legitimate contender. Uh, to be number one in the country and, and a national championship contender. So uh, I was not shocked when I saw that we had the Buckeyes favored by uh, a little more than 17 points. Uh, again, not a huge edge over the, the 14 and a half, but significant. And and uh, Wisconsin is uh, still, you know, a top 25 team according to our numbers. In fact, they're actually 13th, which uh, is, is, you know, obviously a, a solid team. So um, for them to be, that big of an underdog against uh, anybody is is surprising, but Ohio State's that good, and and Justin Fields has been phenomenal. Um, you mentioned Scott the other night on uh, the uh, in this league pod that he's uh, a, a definitely a, a Heisman contender, perhaps even has uh, the inside track to to get there. Uh, based on all the big games that they've got coming up. So I wouldn't be shocked if that happens, and I wouldn't be shocked if Ohio State just puts up another just hugely impressive performance. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I mean, we, we see it as uh, Ohio State 37, Wisconsin 20. I would say that it might be a little bit lower scoring than that. Uh, but, 
you know, we've seen things get out of hand quickly with Ohio State. So, um, again, it would not be a shock if things uh, if this is another Ohio State blowout. I mean, Xavier, is this even a is this a test for Justin Fields? Because he's been running wild, uh, you know, and he has only, I think, one turnover this year, one interception. I know he only has this yeah. season. So um, but Wisconsin, you know, you can't take away the Illinois game because they lost and they didn't look good. But up to that game, they had had four shutouts. We were talking about on all the CFF podcasts that how Wisconsin was the number two player. The Wisconsin defense was number two behind Jalen Hurts. So it seems like, you know, and the reason I feel like this game was uh, 10 points, you know, lower than two touchdowns different uh, before the loss to Illinois was because, you know, Justin Fields, it, this is his first year of starting games. And it, while he's looked excellent, he hasn't played a Wisconsin defense yet. So is there any hope for Ohio State in this one? Or excuse me, for Wisconsin in this one? Or do you think this is a Ohio State stomping like uh, Nick does? And uh, I, I think I do too. So I don't know about a stomping. And, and the reason why I think that Wisconsin is going to come in with a, with a with the play calling of keeping that offense off the field. And if anybody can do it, that they'll face all season, it's Wisconsin. Um, if Jonathan Taylor and, and co can run the football, like we know Wisconsin can run the football, then they're going to limit Ohio state's ability to, you know, get out there and for Justin Fields to make, you know, big plays. I think that that's something that we have to look at is how many touches do we genuinely believe Ohio state will get in this game? And that's kind of how, how I see it. I, I give them maybe seven or eight. Um, and depending on the score line and that depending on the score line, you know, uh, how much will Ohio State have to press the issue in this ballgame? Um, I think that this is the best defense Justin Field has definitely played. Um, Wisconsin comes in, as you said, Scott, with one of the best defenses, if not the best defense, at least statistically in the country. Um, but this is the this this is the the barometer game for me for Ohio State. It, it's how much of a contender do I see them being in as far as national championship contenders? And this game for me will prove whether they are right there with Clemson and. Uh, right now, well, until we get the word on uh, how long Tua will be out or what Tua will be like when he comes back from injury, um, uh, along with Alabama. But Ohio State, depending on how they win this ball game, will genuinely be, you know, one of the best teams in the country. I think that, you know, this is the first ranked team I think that they're playing since Michigan State. Um, and Michigan State was on the cusp of being unranked when they played them, anyways. But uh, this is this is a big game for Ohio State in the, in the public eye, in the public opinion. Uh, shout out to it being a twelve o'clock game because most 12 o'clock games are boring so i appreciate that for the schedule uh, the schedule makers this time but um i see ohio state winning this ball game um best case scenario is definitely for you guys 17 point victory if not more for me i see this more of a you know a, a 35 24 type victory i'm gonna go a little bit under uh what they have it uh what the bookies have it and what nick have it maybe an 11 point victory more of a 35 24 type one yeah, I mean it's going to be a fun game to watch, that's for sure. So Absolutely. I think it's going to be I mean I just I think Justin Fields has got to be the the Heisman front runner at this point. So I don't think I can go I don't think I can go away from him. So I think this is going to be an Ohio State route uh well on their way to that tournament. So I f I feel like they've looked like the most complete team this year, but uh we'll see the last game that we have on the list here, Auburn at LSU. LSU has been uh, fairly unstoppable at this point. Although I will say that I don't think their defense has looked like, uh, you know, the 
the LSU defense that we're used to. The, they, their offense mm-hmm. has been carrying them, which is kind of surprising. But they are favored by 10.5 points against Auburn this week, Nick. How do we see this one playing out? Yeah, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. I mean, LSU uh, offensively just just keeps uh, exceeding expectations. And, and, you know, coming into the year, we had heard that the talk, oh, you know, they're, they're going to be more explosive on offense. They're finally going to uh, put their elite, talented skill position players in position to, to be successful. And, and we're like, yeah, we'll believe it when we see it. Well, we've seen it now. And, and, and it's almost, you know, every week uh, I hear somebody say like, okay, well, well, you know, somebody's going to catch up to LSU. They can't be this good. You know, we are, our, our history uh, with LSU tells us that, that, they just can't be this good, this this good consistently on offense, and and every week they seem to get better and better. Uh, that said, this Auburn defense is going to be the toughest that they've faced uh, by a long shot, and and you know Auburn does have arguably the the best defensive line in the country. Um, it's certainly a top three, top five type unit, um, even though statistically they you know they haven't been perfect, but but they've been uh, very solid, and from a player to player talent standpoint. Uh, this defense is as good as just about anybody in the country. Now, uh, Auburn does, of course, have a true freshman quarterback. Um, he's had limited uh, opportunities away from home. And uh, the last time, um, you know, it didn't go super well. Uh, and, and Death Valley is is going to be a, a very difficult uh, environment for him. I mean, I think that Bo Nix, uh, I've said before, will be, a very good quarterback in the long run, I think, but I think that he is, you know, prone to play like a true freshman from time to time. And and even though LSU has not been uh, as dominant on defense as, as we've seen in the past, they're still a top 25 team as far as yards allowed per play. They've allowed uh, 4.72 yards per play, which is uh, right there with, you know, the the uh, top defenses uh, in the in the G five like Western Kentucky and Temple, uh, so you know still still pretty good units there, but uh, they're they're certainly susceptible. Um, but again, that's only actually point zero uh, three yards per play more than Auburn. Auburn ranks twentieth, and LSU ranks twenty third in in that category. So uh, they're they're not far off. They're and just LSU, no Western Kentucky. <laughs> That's well, no, there, you know, there's only one Western Kentucky, but, uh, but LSU is that a compliment? Is, <laughs> WKU's been, been good on defense, uh, but, uh, but LSU is, is probably, I would argue, more talented from, from one through 11 and, and from one to 22 than, than Auburn is on defense, but, uh, we just haven't seen it, uh, play out quite that way this year and they've been more banged up and they are uh getting healthier they they finally were at full strength last week on on uh the front seven so uh that's good news moving forward uh and i I was gushing about ohio state earlier and and lsu sort of fits that mold they are closing the gap between those top uh few teams and especially now that you know the the situation with uh tuatunga vailoa uh it's very possible that LSU might be favored to beat Alabama in two weeks if, if he's not fully healthy, uh, which it, it appears that he probably will not be fully healthy if he'll be able to play at all. So um, LSU is is a legitimate playoff contender, a legitimate 
uh, SEC champion contender. So uh, I would not be at all surprised if if uh, this you know plays a, a similar track to the Florida game uh, where LSU just kind of you know it, it's close early, but they just sort of pull away there at the end. And uh, our projection is somewhat similar to that. We have LSU uh, expected to win 35-24. That for an LSU-Auburn game seems a little uh, too high scoring, but you know this is a different LSU. So uh, it, it really should be about that. Um, that that would be uh, just barely to the the current number uh, an LSU cover, uh, but it's right it's right in there. It's very very close, and and uh, LSU at home. Uh, I, I'm not surprised that you know they're projected to win this game, and and think that that's pretty fair. I think 35-24 uh, seems about right to me. Xavier, how do you see this playing out? Um, I think this is going to be a complete shootout. Um, or that's what it's going to need to be for Auburn to win this ball game. I don't see Auburn's defense slowing down this LSU offense anytime soon, um, unless the weather is bad. Now I don't know what the weather's going to be like um, down there in Louisiana this weekend, but if if it's a rainy day, uh, I think Auburn has a better chance of winning this ball game. Um, I think if Bo Nix can play like a junior instead of a sophomore. Um, excuse me, instead of a freshman, I think that they have more of an opportunity to win this ballgame. He's going to need to step up for them to get it done. They can't rely on their running game um, to, to, to go toe-to-toe in an LSU offense that has literally broke records. I mean, and we're, for, for LSU, and we're only halfway through the year. I mean, they've shattered through some records, Joe Burrow himself um, in particular. But um, I think the LSU offense, and this is the first time I've said this in life, I think the offense is just <laughs> too much for, for, for Auburn to, to compete with possession after possession uh they're at home you know that means the voodoo is going to be all over the stadium especially being in that in in that state but unless auburn can unless gus malzahn has it in his back pocket and he hasn't had a game like this and since the prayer of jordan Hare and the kick six and back-to-back weeks i think he used all of his luck at one season but uh if he can do it again i wouldn't would i be shocked absolutely but more so if lsu was held to a to under 35, um, not if Auburn put up just as many points. I think LSU has been in a couple of shootouts this year that have just, you know, the ball has bounced in their direction uh, a few times and they've been able to walk away with victories. The one against Texas, no one against Florida uh, come to mind. Uh, I don't think Auburn has that much offensive potency of those two teams, but we've seen crazier things happen in the SEC. Yeah, South we, Carolina, Georgia. we have. And I, for whatever reason, um, I, I just feel like Auburn's going to win this game. I think this is the Ooh. game that keeps Melzahn employed. You know what I mean? Like th- this is just that one, like Auburn fans, I think want to just have like, they just want to have that down year so they can get rid of Melzahn and move on. And it just doesn't happen. So, uh, so I don't know. I, I think this is the one that, that keeps Auburn going. And it's just, I don't know. I think LSU is going to drop one of these weird games or they're going to make it confusing. Like they're going to lose this game to Auburn and then they're going to go beat Alabama. So everything gets convoluted at, uh, you know, playoff time and rankings time and all that stuff. So uh, for whatever reason, I just have and like I said, I'm not backing this up with numbers or anything. It's just a weird (laughs) feeling about the SEC and the way some of these games play out where I think Auburn's going to win. So now when, uh, you know, I thought Northwestern was going to be close last week and uh, they got beat by 49. So uh, there's always that. Now I thought BYU can make it close and they won straight up. So, 
you never know. When you get this late in the season, these rivalry games, these familiarity, like Xavier said, weather could be a factor in this. It's just one play here, one play there, make the entire difference of not only one game, but your whole season. So, um, you know, like, like you said, Xavier, if Nick step, step, steps up a little bit, which is asking a lot for a freshman on the road, but he's, he's already played in big games. He played against Oregon and wound up winning in that uh, last-second drive. So um, I don't know why. I just, for whatever reason, it's like I close my eyes and I see Auburn winning this game. So weather in Baton Rouge on Saturday is supposed to be 60% precipitation um, and the wind's at 9 miles per hour. So... We'll see. We'll see if that affects LSU's passing game, which has obviously been the most potent part about their game so far, and uh, which is probably the weakest part of Auburn's defense, which is their secondary. So, yeah, I think if it's if it's clear, uh, it should be fine. I just uh, whatever reason, I feel like Auburn's going to pull this one out. But that is going to wrap it up for today. Uh, Nick, tell everybody about the Patreon. Yeah, so I mentioned it uh, a little bit earlier. A uh, new feature. On uh, for our tier two members, uh, our FBS team profiles, uh, the QB start chart, and uh, if you know patrons out there, if you've got some feedback, uh, would love to hear it. I, I see myself, you know, if it goes well, and and uh, I don't see why it, it wouldn't. Um, we'll uh, look to expand that to other positions. Probably have to wait until the off season, but uh, that'll be a pretty high priority project for us. Uh, be good to to know, you know, who start started each game which game was uh perhaps uh, uh you know maybe there was an upset but oh yeah the the starting quarterback got injured in that game that you know we we can forget that sometimes when we're doing some off-season research so i think that'll be a useful tool but uh, if you're interested in that as well as our other uh player ratings or our uh, final score projections for all games featuring uh fbs versus fbf matchups uh check us out patreon.com slash cfb winning edge uh we are still doing the uh october special if you sign up uh as a tier one patron we'll give you tier two access so uh sign up patreon.com slash CFB winning edge. Send me a note that uh, says you heard about it uh, through the podcast and, and we'll get you that tier two access for uh, the price of tier one. And that is going to wrap it up for us. Remember you can find us on the Twitter at Bogman sports at Xavier underscore Trish T R I C H E and uh, at CFB winning edge. Good luck in all your bets. And we will see you guys next week. Take it easy, everybody.